Okay. It's Catholic. From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. It's great to be on with you. Joe McLean here. God is so very good. How was your weekend? I pray it was it was good. I had a great oppor- opportunity just to hang out with the family and not do much. And that's uh, that's kind of a new thing for me because I'm always doing things. And praise be to Jesus. We were able to slow down and hang out with my wife a little more. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity and hang out with the kids a little bit. And praise be to Jesus for going to Mass on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I get a little spoiled when we go to Mass because it feels normal. And then you realize that you, when you go home, you're like, oh, I've got to go back to the abnormal. And... Uh, with new talks, fresh talks of more lockdowns, that feels even more daunting to us. But uh, I have good news. We're going to have a great show today. And I promise you, I say that every week, but this time I mean it. Okay, so Dr. Teresa Deicher is coming back on the program. You might recall she was on back in May, May 4th to be precise, where we did a three-show special on vaccines. Uh, what were we thinking about? What were we looking towards? What was going to happen to us with this rush to uh, to have a vaccine created to save us from COVID? What would that look like? So we did a show with Debbie Vintage from the Children of God for Life. We did a show with Bishop Strickland from the morality perspective on on vaccines. And then we did a show with Dr. Teresa Deicher on the science behind that. Well, Dr. Deicher rejoins the show and Bernadette uh, Pager, and I, I, she'll have to correct me on how to say her name properly, uh, from an informed life radio in Washington is going to be on with us too. We're going to talk about this Pfizer vaccine that's been announced. What does it mean? What's in it? Are there aborted fetal DNA in there? Are there not? Are there any other issues related to this? Will this, in fact, uh, help? I hurt? I don't know. They're the experts are going to give us all of that information on today's show. So it's going to be a great show. It's going to inform you quite a bit. Of course, Tracy Kamara's here, and uh, we have some pro-life news there's some other news in the uh, in the headlines i'd like to jump into when we get the opportunity and i've got a special announcement about a very special program tomorrow morning we'll do that after the news let's first pray in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And other headlines with Tim Mott. The number of coronavirus cases in the United States crossed the 11 million mark on Sunday, reaching another milestone, according to a Reuters tally, as the pace of the pandemic quickens across the country. Michigan and Washington State on Sunday imposed sweeping new restrictions on gatherings, including halting indoor restaurant service to slow the spread of the coronavirus as total U.S. infections crossed the 11 million mark. 
The governor of Delaware has settled a federal lawsuit over church-related COVID-19 restrictions, which he had imposed at the start of the pandemic in March. In exchange for dropping the lawsuit, Governor John Carney agreed this week that in any future emergency requiring state actions, he must treat churches and religious worship in a neutral manner. The Diocese of Portland, Maine, has expressed frustration at being excluded from conversations with their state governor over safe reopening practices after church capacity was again reduced to 50 people. Dave Guthrow, director of communications for the Diocese of Portland, said he's the only said the state's only Catholic diocese had repeatedly asked the governor to re-examine the capacity restrictions, but has so far received no response. An experimental vaccine from Moderna, Inc. was 94.5% effective, effective in preventing COVID-19 based on interim data from a late-stage trial, becoming the second U.S. drug maker to report results that far exceed expectations. Together with Pfizer, Inc.'s vaccine, which is also more than 90% effective and pending more safety data and regulatory review, the United States could have two vaccines authorized for emergency use in December, with as many as 60 million doses of vaccine available this year. According to a new Pew Pew Research Center report, government restrictions on religion are at their highest since tracking began in 2007, finding that 56 countries reached high or very high levels of restrictions on religion in 2018. Now, while the coronavirus epidemic has prompted a wave of debate about restrictions on religious gatherings, Pew's latest report concerns the year 2018. And finally, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco applauded the Marin County District Attorney for filing charges over the vandalism of a statue depicting St. Junipero Serra at Mission San Rafael last month. In a statement on Friday, Cordelione said, quote, This is a breakthrough moment for Catholics. He said the decision to prosecute five people on felony vandalism charges, quote, represents the first time that any of the lawbreakers attacking statues of St. Junipero Serra and other acts of vandalism on Catholic Church property across California will be held accountable for their actions in a court of law, end quote. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, November 16th. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit catholicnewsagency.com. St. Margaret of Scotland, pray for us. Born in Hungary about the year 1045, her father, Edward the, some say outlaw, but it's more like outmir. Uh, Tim can probably correct me on the Anglo-Saxon pronunciation. Uh, it's essentially he was in exile. He and his brother were in line to take over the throne of the Anglo-Saxon kingdom in England at the time. But because he was a contender, they were living in exile in Hungary. While there, he married Agatha and the two had children, one of which was Margaret, young Margaret. When she was 12 years old, uh, Edward had received the word to come back to England and possibly become the king there. So he packed up the family, moved them across Europe, across the uh, the channel and into England, and not very far long after, he died, leaving Agatha and their children, to include Margaret, uh, wondering what to do, because now they were contenders to the throne, and her and Margaret's brother was possibly in line to become king of England, which made it dangerous for them. So they were living in exile yet again, only this time in merry old England, uh, and they had a chance encounter at that time with Malcolm the third king of scotland who visited them but it was in 10 i was at the william the conqueror was that 1066 i think the battle of hastings when the norman invasion came to take over uh england we all remember the stories of robin hood and the 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 anglo-saxons fighting for their identity and freedoms against the persecutions of the normans right 
Well, Agatha at that point was like, I've had enough of life in England. We're going to go back to Hungary. So she puts the family on a boat. Only a storm comes up and pushes the boat north instead of south. And they end up on the shores of Scotland. And uh, Malcolm III takes the family in and protects them. And eventually, he marries young Margaret. Now, Margaret is a, is a woman of, of great dignity, a Catholic, and someone who is very, very faithful. Whereas Malcolm was, well, a Scotsman. So you could think knuckle-dragger, brutish, barbarian type. You know, maybe a little smelly even. You can just picture it in your mind, this this, this contradiction of persons. It reminds me, it's a lot like my marriage. My wife is refined and dignified and intelligent and, and well, I scratch. But anyway, uh, so y- Margaret actually transformed the kingdom of Scotland in many ways. She was a very pious woman. She fasted way more than what was called for in the time. She helped to, uh, in, she helped to bring about synods in Scotland to bring a reform to the clergy there. And she actually fought off a schism in the church in Scotland at the time. She helped to uh, bring uh, new parishes on board, new monasteries, new abbeys. She helped to raise the level of uh, education in her country. She would read the Bible to her husband. She would rise at midnight and pray the matins. She would pray the psalms. She would attend five to six masses per day. She was devout and pious and holy and driven to make Scotland great again, you might say. And uh, the country loved her, but, uh, you know, there was still a lot of turmoil in Scotland. Scotland's famous for infighting, the clans killing each other, you know, for politics, for money, for power. This was very common in Scottish history. Did you know Malcolm III's father was Duncan? Do you know who killed Duncan? Macbeth. True story. So uh, when Shakespeare wrote his story, it was based on Malcolm's dad. Uh, anyway, there was an insurrection in Scotland in around the 1070 area, and uh, Malcolm III actually was murdered along with their eldest son. And it was just a few days later that Margaret, because of her pious and austere practices, was actually diminished in health, and she died not too many days later, some say of grief, because she loved her husband very, very dearly. Now, her relics were interred and venerated, but it was the Protestant Revolution that happened in the 16th century that destroyed most of her relics in England. Some were preserved and actually shipped over to France, but it was the French Revolution that did away with the rest of them. So, a sad story there. But also, did you know that the practice of drinking coffee after a dinner comes from Margaret of Scotland, who made it the norm? Hashtag true story. St. Margaret of Scotland, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to Jesus. How was your weekend? It was awesome. Um, it was a very... So I got your packed weekend. Usually you I did. try to take it a little bit more chill, do a little research, yeah. and like just take a breath. No, I, I got a chance to go to confession, go to a bridal, be part of a bridal shower, you know, go to dinner with a wonderful gentleman, How and wonderful. enjoy a black and white movie, which took my mind what? off of the McCarrick Report, uh, <laughs> which I did pour over a little bit um and so it was it was interesting to try to like get a hold of all the news and just digest it but also make time for family which i realized um even as i kind of glanced at that what is it the moms conference that catholic moms conference that happened over the weekend i i just like signed in there and i there was listened a to one talk i missed it yes okay. and i was just curious i was that? like let me see what it's about and i was listening to this one about life balance and i was like good i feel like i'm doing a good job it's just it was a busy busy weekend so yeah, i don't i'm God. glad i only have one of those once in a while 
Yeah, no, it was nice. Not doing much, hanging out with my wife a lot and the kids and praise God for yeah. it. And just very relaxed, actually. Good. Yeah. We all need that. to switch it up. What movie did you watch? So I watched Kansas City Confidential. Whoa. Um, and it was, it's, I like mystery. I enjoyed, I could understand why some women are like, why do they always have these like, you know, perfect, sweet, like, you know, charming women who don't really do much in the, you know, in the realm of the movie. And I'm like, but there's a lot of influence that women don't realize that they have in a man's life mm-hmm. that I think Margaret is Scotland. overlooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think I think that's something that could be brought back, yeah. you know, if if we watch more of those types of yeah. movies again. How to Train a Dragon, I think they modeled it after <laughs> Malcolm and Margaret, actually. There you go. Yeah, I so. have not seen How or, to Train no, a Dragon. <laughs> what was the, uh, the other one? Brave? <laughs> no, you're was, making a face of me. was it Brave? Uh, see, I'm not a Disney expert. Oh, and this, we don't watch yeah, Disney I films. But I don't watch a whole lot of Disney. I'm an, I'm an expert in Disney. There was, uh, yeah. there was a show called called Brave, where uh, an animation, right? Right, right. And then the lady, the queen was very refined, and the king was an ogre. Oh, yeah, definitely. Again, like like us in our family. Uh-huh. You know, but anyway. Okay. So, but her mom literally turned into a bear, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Anyway, praise Jesus. Before we jump into the pro-life news, I just want to make an announcement. So uh, we are starting a brand new show and a brand new initiative. Uh, the show is going to be called Catholic Drive Time. The show is going to air all across the Guadalupe Radio Network and beyond into other Catholic radio postulates um, uh, in the morning drive time, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. So on the East Coast, West Coast, it'll, it'll be all over. And tomorrow morning, we are going to run a full dress rehearsal of that show. Emily Alcaraz is going to be on the show. Adrian Fonseca is going to be on the show. We're treating it uh, as a special opportunity to dive into the McCarrick Report that it was released last week, you know, 450 pages of just insanity, to be honest with you. And we're going to be interviewing Bree Dale about that in the first hour, discussing the McCarrick Report, what it says, what it doesn't say, mm-hmm. what it seems to have covered up, and, uh, you know, a little bit of shell game going on there. And then in the second hour, we're going to have a game show. We're actually going to give some prizes away so in the game show. It's a, tra- a Catholic trivia show. We only use the super easiest questions. Okay, so... If you'd like to win some prizes, you know, tune in tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour. You may get an opportunity there. And then Gabriel Castillo is going to be on with us in the 7 o'clock hour to talk about the power of the Holy Rosary to transform your life. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I don't know who's better to talk about that other than Gabe. No, I don't know. You got got me. Pretty much start at the top of the food chain. I have to admit, his documentary um, called um, The Naked Truth About Immodesty totally changed my perspective on the understanding of the value. Like, I understood the value of chastity, but just like the understanding of where that goes as far as women's clothing, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense now. I know where to draw the lines now and like how that works. And so... It was very helpful, so I, I owe a debt of gratitude to Gabe Castillo and his team. So if you want to watch the very first episode, the pilot episode of the Catholic Drive Time, tune in tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, 7 East Coast Time, right here across our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube just by searching at GRN online. So uh, Facebook is a great place to be because you can comment, and that's kind of where we watch for the comments. That's where we post links, all of that. 
Uh, just go to facebook.com forward slash GRN online to be a part of that experience. Tomorrow morning, a special McCarrick report in hour one and the power of the Holy That's Rosary and prizes on a game show in, in the second hour tomorrow morning, Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. right here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. All right. Uh, beside, I have some uh, – there's a couple of headlines I wanted to touch on before we have our interview with Dr. Teresa Deicher from Sound Choice Pharmaceuticals and Bernadette uh, Pager from An Informed Life Radio in Washington. We're going to be talking about the Pfizer COVID vaccine. But speaking of Pfizer, there's a great article uh, in uh, – uh, on, out right now on, uh, what is this, The Spectator, about Pfizer and whether or not they were or were not a part of Warp Speed, how much money they signed a deal for with the U.S. federal government mm-hmm. on that deal, the timing of it. Did you also know that CEO sold 60% of their stock on the same day they announced? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about. So there's the, that story. There is, of course, the story about Justice Alito giving a talk to the Federalist Society on religious freedom on the 13th. There's a couple of key points I think we can mention that, but let's dive into the headline news for pro-life. Yeah, so um, we need to pray for Massachusetts this week. Um, the Senate's going to be looking at a bill that's going to expand abortion access to minors without parental consent. Um, this is following um, different abortion bills that have been passed through um, other states like Illinois, and there's just there's major major repercussions from this. If a if a minor is as as one of the um, congressmen put forward, you know Massachusetts, he said. Look, if a minor can't smoke, they can't vote, they can't, you know, drive even, and yet they can go get a judicial bypass and actually have an abortion, which could affect them, you know, in a terrible, terrible way for the rest of their life. I mean, what happens if what happens if she dies on the table because she's just so tiny, and then the parents find out? Oh, we didn't even know she was sexually active. You know, like there's there's a lot to be said for the fact that. While being a teen mom is very, very difficult and pregnancy is hard on a teen's body, it, it doesn't make abortion okay. It doesn't make abortion easy on the woman's body. So there are major repercussions, um, and for, for teens in abortion. So, um, including like a, a, a medical condition that's similar to post-abortion, that's called post-abortion syndrome and it's similar to PTSD. So on a good side, on good news, um, there were 17 new women who had been elected to the U.S. Congress. Wow. And so it's very important for us to keep in mind that brings the level of women's pro-life voice to 27 in Congress. Um, we're very grateful for all the men who also have been staunch supporters for life. And uh, we're just going to keep on pushing forward as we see that um, whether at the state level where during this election we saw um, Amendment 1 got passed, life, the Love Life Amendment that that says there is no right to abortion in Louisiana, which is a trigger law very similar to other states that have passed laws that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, if we have, you know, this this progress occur where now that we have Justice Amy Coney Barrett be able to um, help overturn Roe v. Wade through a judicial system that should work. Please, Lord, let our legal system work, mm. you know, and protect the innocent unborn. Then we will see all these trigger laws go into effect. And so um, th- those have been throughout the United States. And then also, um, we're very glad that in Colorado, Prop 115 was passed. I'm sorry. We are not happy about that. I apologize. Um, so Colorado and Prop 115, um, it did not, um, it, it was, 
basically they're not going to limit abortions. They were potentially going to limit abortions um, with this, but they that did not pass. And so, mm. unfortunately, the, the unborn did not win with with that in Colorado. So, um, but I think also a lot of the pro-life news right now is totally swirling around the legitimacy of the election process. Um, and so I've been reading a lot about voter fraud. I don't know how much we want to get into that just because there is so much at stake. Um, we are looking at a president who, you know, expanded the New Mexico, the, the Mexico City policy. We're looking at a president who, um, has signed, you know, all kinds of regulation and appointed judges to help protect the unborn, to help protect religious freedom. And as we look at, you know, this person who claims to be Catholic, um, who is, uh, you know, Joe Biden, and who he's potentially going to appoint, he's looking at appointing um, Becerra, who has gone after um, David Delight and Sandra Merritt to a high position. He's looking at appointing uh, Pete Buttigieg, who has been uh, very much working against the Catholic Church, even within his roles within um, Notre Dame. Like there, there are there are so many more people that are going to be coming into play that claim to be working for humanity that even claim to be Catholic that are so anti-Catholic in their actions and so it's going to be really really critical to teach the faith to know what the what the bioethical consequences are and not rely on students to learn that in school not rely on students to learn that through just even looking at what is legal and what's not legal because we know that our moral understanding is you know we have a faith that reaches far beyond our legal system. And so yeah. we need to, while our legal system does affect our culture, which does affect our perspective and our, and our ability to mm. navigate forming a good conscience, we still need to form our conscience according to the truth of the faith. And so we need to remember the dignity of the human person. Science shows that life begins at conception. Yeah, um, Abortion does hurt the child literally and the woman literally um there are consequences on a societal level as far as dividing the family as far as dividing these romantic relationships that a lot of these women go into the abortion to preserve you know like it's important to to look at as a society there are going to be a lot of repercussions as a result of if Biden is elected, um, if he actually becomes president-elect, which has not occurred yet. Mm. And so so we'll just keep on bringing that to prayer. Amen. Praise be to Jesus uh, for at least the advances we've had in the pro-life fight. Well, we've had a lot of judges put in place, and that yeah. cannot be removed. A lot of the policies can, but a lot of the yeah. judges can't. Speaking so. of judges, so this story came out over the weekend about Justice Alito giving a, a talk, uh, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito giving a talk to the uh, Federalist Society, which is a society of some 60-plus thousand lawyers, judges, legal students in law school, mm-hmm. just various uh, clerks, people like that. And uh, many of the appointees that Trump has put up have come from the Federal Society. Um, yes. Uh, so we've seen a lot of that. So Justice Leto gave this talk about his concerns for religious liberty cases. And he says, you know, the COVID pandemic has become a stress test for constitutional freedoms. Mm-hmm. Now, he did say he wasn't... He wasn't passing judgment on the seriousness of COVID itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, people have been affected by that health-wise, uh, those kinds of things. He's not saying he's not speaking to that, 
but he's just pointing out, like he pointed out several cases. For instance, the the Nevada versus Calvary Chapel case that we discussed on this show, mm-hmm. a couple, what was that, a month or two ago or whatever it was, and how Calvary Chapel was begging the state of Nevada to give the same privileges to the church that the casinos had. Right. So you can go to Nevada right now, go into a casino, gamble, take in a show, drink, laugh, have a great time. But if you're the 51st person in line, Samuel Lito said in his talk, to try to go to a church service, you're done. You can't come in in Nevada. And and the thing is, it's important to also keep in mind what is with the with this increased push of government. Yeah. The more government control that you have, the more legalese that are put into your medication yeah. or into your health preservation, if you will. Well, the the more that's at risk because then then they can put in these other steps. And so, really, I think one of the things that a lot of people are overlooking is the legal com you know complications mm. of requiring a vaccine of requ- of, re- yeah. of shutting down i mean in yeah. california they were talking about shutting off the water and the electricity to churches until you get your well vaccine. no not until you get well i mean they might do that till, until they get the vaccine but if if you had so many people that entered the church if you were then they were gonna They'd shut just, off your power they would shut yeah. off your power they shut off your water yeah and so like it's important to um well, this is what Alito says. Alito yeah. says this, and I'm quoting now from a Catholic News Agency article that's uh, summarizing his notes. But you can also watch the entire talk yourself. Uh, we'll link up to it. The American Catholic has the entire video that's posted off of the Federalist Society. And I watched the entire thing this morning. But the CNA article uh, summarizing it quoted him by saying, Quote, we have never before seen restrictions as severe, extensive, and prolonged as those experienced for most of 2020. Uh, it goes on to say, Alito specifically mentioned the closure of churches on Easter Sunday and the closure of synagogues during the Jewish holy days of Passover and Yom Kippur and the delays of many federal court trials. Um, he goes on to talk about, it says, quote, it pains me to say this, but in certain quarters, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right, unquote. You know, one thing I want to tie into this uh, story, and one of the reasons why I bring it up is just over the weekend, I saw at least two examples of clear censorship, uh, you know, that have gotten really almost out of control over the last several months. We saw it in the lead up to the election on November 3rd. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, all censoring. Right now, I can't. Do it. Facebook prevents me from uh, having certain uh, normal everyday features and posting content. They have they've grayed them out and prevented me from doing that. Mm. Is that censorship? I don't know. Some say yes, some say no. I don't know. But I've asked Facebook directly. They have yet to respond. Uh, over the weekend, I saw um, uh, Jihad Watch uh, Jihad was Watch. posting some stuff over on Parler. So I tried to click on the link, and my local internet service provider in my neighborhood blocked their site and said, this site is bigots, so we can't show it to you. Oh, wow. Now, they don't block pornography sites. They'll let that go through. But the jihadwatch.com site, nope, can't have that one because they're considered bigots. That's that's crazy. That, yeah. To me, that is, and that's I think at the ultimately I think this is what Alito was trying to say is um, he also feared that the Obama, uh, Obergefell decision that uh, cleared the path for homosexual unions in America. He said he he feared that that would lead to uh, people who 
espouse the traditional form of man and woman in sacramental marriage being uh, uh, discriminated against, and we are seeing that today. We're absolutely seeing so that. So it's, it's an interesting article, and I, I encourage everyone to hear the talk. It is not, it's not bombastic. It's not embellished. It's just clear uh, comments and uh, commentary on the state of affairs today. I highly recommend people check it out. There's the Pfizer case, but uh, I think we should go to break and, and welcome our guests on and include that in our conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I wanted to branch into that, and I thought, well, we got those guests coming on. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be speaking here. We're going to go to break right now. We're going to come back from our break, and we'll be on the line with Dr. Teresa Deicher from Sound Choice Pharmaceuticals and Bernadette Pager from the uh, Informed Life Radio in Washington. We're going to be talking about the COVID vaccine that's coming up from Pfizer. And by the way, there was another announcement, I guess, it came in over the weekend from Moderna about another potential vaccine. Maybe we can get some information there. That's news to me. Uh, Is the vaccine safe? Is it not? What do we need to know? What should we know? What don't we know? We're going to be asking those questions to the experts after this break and get some more information and hopefully get some clarity. All that coming up in just a couple of minutes right here on GRN Alive Friday 29 after the hour. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. With Dr. Dysher, you're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. A time for courage. Can you hear me okay, Dave? Yes, I can. Thanks, Carlos. You're, you're loud and clear. Hey, just a quick comment. My comment is very simple, but times like this that our church is going through such tribulation is why we need platforms like Catholic Radio. We have to have Catholic Radio. And I love your station. We have to support it because it's what ties all Catholics together. Praise Jesus, Carlos. I couldn't agree with you more. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. If you have an old gas guzzler you want to get rid of, the Guadalupe Radio Network would love to have it. To donate it to us, you can either call 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Again, that's 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Even better, we'll come pick it up for you and give you a tax receipt so you can write it off. What a great way to help others and support the Guadalupe Radio Network. May God abundantly bless you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, 
we're running a uh, sort of a, like a, a prototype or a uh, dress rehearsal or a pilot episode, if you will, of the Catholic Drive Time. It's a brand new Monday through Friday nationally syndicated drive time radio show. Uh, we're going to try that out, and you can be a part of the audience. Prizes are involved, and I encourage you to, to uh, join us right here at Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Um, also joining us uh, right now uh, via Zoom is Bernadette Pager of a an informed life radio relishes vigorous discussions on matters of public health importance. She advocates for scientific integrity in public health policy and for integrity in science. She supports the Terran theory approach to wellness and disease prevention, medical freedom, and fully informed con- um, consent. She works with the nonprofit Informed Choice Washington to bring the missing information to legislators, public health officials, and the general public. Also rejoining the program... Uh, is Dr. Teresa Deicher, graduate from Stanford University School of Medicine with a doctoral degree in molecular and cellular psychology, or uh, physiology, rather, forgive me. She has over 47 issued patents and four discoveries in clinical trials and is the founder of both AVM Biotechnology and SoundChoice Pharmaceutical Institute. And uh, welcome to the program, both of you. Thank you for being on with us again. Uh, Doc, Dr. Deicher, let's start with you. We had you back on, uh, I think it was May 4th, we had you on to talk about the potential of COVID vaccines. And one of the things that you said to us then, and I would love to start there in our conversation, was that you believed that a vaccine would not cure COVID. Do you still believe that? And if so, maybe you can explain and give us clarity. Well, I'm very skeptical that a vaccine will be uh, safely and effective, made uh, to be effective against the SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes the COVID-19 disease, for many reasons. So first, a vaccine has never been successfully developed against a coronavirus, which mm. the SARS-CoV-2 is. And most importantly, Um, We know from the SARS-CoV-2 infections, as well as from the 2002, the SARS-CoV-1, that patients who develop the highest levels of antibodies early in their disease, Mm. those people should not get sick. But what happens is that the people who develop those high levels of antibodies are the ones who go on to get the sickest. And what that tells us is that the antibodies that they make to the virus cause an autoimmune or self-attack. And therefore, any vaccine that's generated targeting those uh, same areas of the virus that the, the, the natural body does when it makes antibodies have the potential actually uh, to uh, make people sick. And the side effects from these um, vaccines, um, you know, that have been tested so far are actually very concerning. 
Wow. There's a lot of, and the, the reports, right, 90% effective. And uh, a friend of mine texted me that Moderna's publishing now a reports that suggest 94% effective. Uh, one of my concerns is, what is will this create a false hope? I know many people, uh, friends, family members, coworkers, even have prayed, please, God, give us a vaccine that will save us from this uh, COVID pandemic. And, and I think that's a good thing to pray for. Um, but what don't we know and what ought we know in this conversation? Bernadette, would you like to chime in? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Well, first I want to say we don't need a pharmaceutical company to save us. <laughs> um, you know, uh, following the, the wonderful language being used on this radio station, God has already saved us. Amen. Uh, we have beautiful immune systems that we were born with. And we have the ability to recover 99.9% of people at the population level um, either have no symptoms or mild to moderate symptoms. They fully recover and they develop immunity. We don't know how long that immunity lasts, but because it's like the common cold, it's mm. in the same family, right? Um, it, it gives you broad protection that later on you have these this memory, this T-cell, B-cell memory that helps you overcome the next cold and the next cold that's that's the beauty of natural immunity how your immune system works mm. and for those who have difficulty overcoming um infection we have existing treatment protocols that were designed by our frontline medical doctors natural doctors early on in all this most of them are if you get it early you can do the nutrient therapies but there's also drug nutrient therapies like mm. hydroxychloroquine plus zinc um, and you know you there's steroid therapy there's several very effective therapies but you are not being told this because if there are existing therapies the billion dollar vaccines are no longer needed and yeah. and these the investment globally has been staggering mm. in vaccines just staggering yeah. And I forget your initial question here about, oh, <laughs> I guess that's it. It's like we don't really need this thing. So mm. everybody needs to sort of relax, take a deep breath, go to healthyimmunitynow.org and follow the links. Read about the existing treatment protocols. Learn how you can empower yourself. Whoa. Okay, I'm a knuckle dragger. I'm not a scientist. I don't play a scientist on TV. And I can't remember the last time I stayed at a Holiday Inn even. So, uh, <laughs> However, I did look up just this morning, I'm looking at it right now, the cdc.gov website, and it, it's a chart, and we'll post a link to it on our facebook.com forward slash GRN online video page today, uh, a chart that tracks the death count going all the way back to uh, February 1st. And you can see uh, that it spiked in April, and uh, and it tracks. You can break it down by age group. You can look at all. And in April, at the peak, at the height, was seventeen thousand and eighty-seven deaths in a single. I guess that's a single day. And then, of course, there was a very minor uh, uh, peak uh, back in August, around August the first. And uh, and again, that day was uh, eight eighty-two hundred in a single day. This is all ages combined. But you can, again, break it down. And when you break it down, you like go to 0 to 24 age. The peak, the worst day ever for ages 0 to 24 in America, I'm guessing this is tracking, 29 people. 29 total in the worst day ever 
of COVID in 2020 and 20, uh, the year 2020. So the, the point I want to make and the, what I would love for you to comment on, Dr. Deicher, uh, would be, you know, I look at this and I see the case count can continue to go up, but now we're looking at a chart that shows us the death count isn't going up. Is the vaccine uh, less lethal than it was back in April? So I think that's a really good point. And first, I'd like to say, you know, any life lost, even if it's a small number, is devastating. And uh, we, Amen. we don't yes. have that. So, you know, there are there are different kinds of viruses. But what this virus is looking like is the, the type of virus that um, goes through like three to five waves and basically by the end of the third to fifth wave, they're essentially, you know, harmless to, to help basically healthy people. And that's because viruses require living human beings to survive. And so they tend to spontaneously mutate so that mm. they become less harmful. And that's what this virus is looking like. So, um, you know, the vaccine ultimately, you know, as the virus continues to mutate to become less harmful, uh, may be worse than the virus itself, actually. Wow. Uh, you know, the flu virus is very different. It's an annual pandemic virus. This is looking like a totally different family of virus, and it's coming in waves. And what I find interesting is an entire new uh, restrictive lockdowns have just been announced. Washington State is one. We're already over the peak of infections. And so if they really were doing this to protect people, they would have done it Mm mid-October. But, of course, they didn't because they wouldn't have been reelected. And so we really have to question the motivation behind lockdowns or no lockdowns. And then you'll read, you know, um, uh, you know, press out there where they talk about, well, now we have to have these severe lockdowns and people have to continue to social distance, blah, 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 while we build herd immunity. Yeah. Well, you can't build herd immunity with lockdowns and social distancing. So there's no science, there's no logic in, in any of this. There's no science driving any of this. And that I just find that really sad. One of the points that we brought out back in April and May when we did the three-show uh, series on vaccines, again, we had... Uh, uh, Debbie Vintage from Children of God for Children of is it Children of God, Children for, of Life? God for Life, mm-hmm. and then we had Bishop Strickland, and then Dr. Teresa Dysher, yourself on. And we one of the points we made was follow the money, and you know what's oh, interesting yeah. is uh, Donald Trump and some of his campaign speeches made this veiled reference about how the pharmaceutical industry was out to get him, and then here we see the timing of Pfizer's announcement comes after. Uh, the election day and the claim that he and that they didn't they weren't a part of Operation Warp Speed and they didn't take money, which didn't make sense because even on HHS HHS website it talked about um, them donating uh, or giving them a hundred um, one point nine five billion with a B with a billion B. dollars yeah. to Pfizer so that way we would that way the U S would get one million of these vaccines and you know the fact that they're saying oh no all of the money came from Germany you know like. Like, okay, so where the billion dollars, you know, almost $2 billion go. There's a great article on The Spectator called Pfizer U-turn, U-Turns at Warp Speed. One million shots is a 
hefty price tag. Yeah, for sure. Um, $1,000 a shot. Adrian had a question, our producer. Uh, yes, I was uh, wondering, so do you, do you, is there any demographic that you would recommend uh, take the vaccine, or do you recommend that uh, nobody take the vaccine? Like, what is, your, is there, uh, what is your position on that? I would not recommend that any demographic take the vaccine. And what's particularly concerning about these vaccines, not only Pfizer's vaccines, but Moderna's vaccine. Mm. So... Typically with a vaccine, when you have to get two injections of it, like a month apart, the the fever response that you have to the first injection diminishes at the second injection. Uh, So what does that mean exactly? Because I'm I'm not I don't really understand what that what that means exactly. I'm kind of confused as uh, what you mean by a lot of times when you get a vaccine, you get a fever. Mm. And what typically happens with vaccines where you have to have two doses, the the fever is less and fewer people get it with the second vaccine. What's happening with these vaccines is that the fever response and the number of people having the fever response goes up with the second vaccine, which is really concerning about its impacts on the body's immune system. Mm. Our body's immune system causes the fever. And in the clinical trials, you know, these are kind of healthy hand-picked populations. They're not frail or elderly. And if they're having this enhanced immune response and basically they're getting sick and, and Pfizer says, well, you'll probably have to miss, you know, three to five days of work after the vaccine, right? Each time you get it, because you're getting, they're making you sick. Mm. And then we're gonna go out to a frail population and and do this. I I find that very concerning. It's very concerning. One of the questions that, uh, uh, speaking of St. Margaret of Scotland being a lot like my marriage, my brilliant wife, who's very tuned into this topic, she should be asking these questions and not me, uh, but she asked me, uh, she brought this up to me and she, and I would hope to, get you to comment either Bernadette or Dr. Deicher. Uh, she's saying that the what Pfizer, Pfizer is delivering in this vaccine um, is new in the vaccine world. It's a new, she said, the technology may not be the right word, but it, it there's something with the RNA. I was hoping you could explain this to us. For, number one, I want you to clarify, are aborted uh, fetal DNA, is that at all included in this process, in this Pfizer or Moderna and number two, is this a new delivery technology to include RNA? And how does that work? Can you make that clear for laymen like myself? So it, it is a new technology to deliver a vaccine as it's called messenger RNA. And so what will happen is that it will use our body's cells to turn the messenger RNA into the protein that they want to have us make antibodies against. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure Bernadette can, can comment on that as well. The, in the vaccines, um, they're not, like Moderna's vaccine is not made, not manufactured using human fetal cells. And I believe Pfizer's is not. But all of the companies use human fetal cells sort of back in their testing and development process. Mm. 
And so I think, you know, there are people who object to that, that it's tainted at any step. But I want to be clear that they're not manufactured and they're not contaminated with the human, you know, fetal um, debris. Um, there well, are some, and you can go to our website on Sound Choice and find the list that are made, manufactured in the fetal cells. And I'm going to let Bernadette comment on the novelty of the messenger RNA vaccine. Uh, yeah, so I just pulled up an article that we republished in Form Choice Washington that was written by um, Children's Health Defense, and I recommend people go to childrenshealthdefense.org. Um, you'll find the latest articles on all things COVID there, as well as many other <laughs> subjects. But sort of the summary of the concerns for mRNA technology um, they rely on a nanoparticle carrier system containing a synthetic chemical called polyethylene glycol, PEG. Mm. And, and the nanoparticle, uh, these lipid nanoparticles, that's fairly new technology too. If you go look that up, you find scientists excited about it, but very cautious. Really? Because it tends to lead to autoimmune, uh, disorder reactions. There's, wow. it's, it's a brand new technology here. And so, you know, you've got, You've got this carrier system injected into you, and this PEG um, stabilizes the, this lipid nanoparticle that then is able to penetrate the, the barriers of your cell. Your cell tries not to let foreign invaders in, so this has to break through. Wow. And once in there, the messenger RNA tells the cell, make a spike protein or whatever it was, this synthetic thing in the lab that they made. It tells it to make a part of COVID. And so you've got this little generation thing going on in your own body. You are making a viral protein. And then your immune system, the idea is, will see that and react and go, oops, I have to make antibodies to get rid of this, mm. right? So you become your own vaccine factory. What can go wrong? We don't know what could go wrong because it's never been done before. We have no um, long-term safety studies, no medium-term safety studies. But we do have the concern that this PEG um, product, the polyethylene glycol, it's used in many drugs and vaccines, um, and it causes immune reactions, including life-threatening anaphylaxis. Mm. And it's in so many things that they that studies have shown about 70% of the population already have sensitivity to PEG. Wow. So so there's a big concern right there if you're sensitive to something and Moderna has said they will they are not screening for sensitivities to any of the vaccine components before giving it to their test subjects. Now right there they violated informed consent laws. You know, you have to you know Usually that's contraindicated if somebody has a sensitivity. How do you know if they have a sensitivity if you don't check? Right? I was going to ask this They're question. Not even you know, it seems that uh, even with any other vaccine, even not just COVID related vaccines, but the flu vaccine or shingles or anything, really, are uh, doctors, whether pediatrics or family health or what have you, are they actually screening their clients to see if they have any uh, genetic markers, any issues that might make uh, a great complication in receiving a vaccine of this nature. Do you know, is that like a practice that is common or not common around the country? Are there any stats on that whatsoever? No, there's no screening at all, and that's one of the major issues 
um, that we fight for is the fact that it'll say right there in the vaccine product inserts, contraindicated for anybody with um, an, who's allergic to any of the components. Newborns on the first day of life are not screened. They're just injected. Two months, four months, six months. My own son is a perfect example. By the age like four months, he had very severe eczema and excessive oh, wow. spitting up. And his pediatrician told me, well, he may be allergic to milk. Stop drinking milk, you know, and then it won't come through your own milk. Mm. Well, I stopped drinking milk and it didn't help. Mm. While she's telling me this, she's injecting him with vaccines that contain dairy proteins because she had no <laughs> idea that oh, it was wow. contraindicated. The aluminum in the vaccines um, makes your immune system wake up and attack whatever proteins it sees there. It doesn't know it's not supposed to go after dairy proteins. And in a certain percentage of the population, it does, right? And so she was making him allergic the entire time she continued to inject him. And it wasn't until he had his first anaphylactic reaction mm. that we stopped. And she wanted to continue vaccinating him in a hospital setting in case he went into shock. I just walked away. I, I, that's when I really started going down the rabbit hole. I'm like, this yeah. is insane. This now, doesn't make any I sense. I know uh, because we've had a vaccine-related injury at our house with one of our children. Mm -hmm. And this is what set us on the road of looking into this and talking to our pediatrician and, and discovering uh, sort of the taboo that is in questioning the vaccine and pharmaceutical in, uh, industry itself. Um, but we have about five minutes left in our radio side of our program. We continue our conversation uh, on social media for another half hour. We have about five minutes left before we say goodbye to our radio audience across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're talking with Dr. Teresa Deicher from Sound Choice Pharmaceuticals and Bernadette uh, Pager. Am I saying that correct, uh, Bernadette? Yes. How do you say your last name? Yes. Is it Pager? That's it. Uh, mm -hmm. From an informed life radio. And we're talking about vaccines. And I'm sure some of us are going... You're killing me, Joe. You're killing me. You're, you know, we love vaccines. Vaccines are good. Our doctors say they're fine. What's the what's the big deal? With about three, four minutes left on the clock, uh, Dr. Deicher, um, what would you say? How do you talk to um, lay folk like myself, parents, even other doctors, medical professionals? People are very well-educated and, and whatnot. Uh, how do you uh, begin to open this conversation with them so that they'll begin to consider? Because the politics, the money, all of this, it makes this, I mean, you think you could talk about religion and politics faster than you could talk about vaccines at a Christmas party. So how do you begin to have this conversation, Dr. Deicher? You know, I, I think that you can just point out the, the facts to them that are undeniable. So, U.S.-born children are the most heavily vaccinated children in the world. Our children are not healthy. And I believe the number is perhaps 45% have chronic illnesses. Um, and so, you know, the, you really have to ask people. It's, it's right there. If vaccines made our children healthy, we would be the healthiest nation in the world. Yeah. And we're not. And the flu would have been gone by now, right? <laughs> well, the flu is an annual pandemic and it yes. mutates. Yes, Vaccines, it you know, we don't have an effective vaccine against flu. Yeah. So the most effective we have is flu block, which is about 44%. And when Pfizer and Moderna are talking about effectiveness, I forget the words of their vaccine, they're not talking about preventing the disease. 
Yeah. They don't have that data yet. They're talking about generating antibodies. And what's the likelihood that there'll be uh, uh, that COVID could just, you know, change forms, evolve, or um, I, I don't know what the it, medical term there is. Like that's what it's doing, yeah. that it is, you know, it mutating and evolving. Mutating. We're in our third wave. The numbers of infections are astronomical. You know, part of that's more testing. Part of that's, you know, maybe people coming out of lockdown. But there's really no difference in countries who locked down severely versus countries who didn't. And so I think it's time for everyone to step back and look worldwide at what was the response of that country. Well, countries didn't do any lockdowns. They didn't wear masks. And they have no higher death rates or infectious rates than anywhere else. So what we're doing is destroying people's people's mental health and families and the economy. Mm. But we're not preventing infections. And so maybe it's time to take another look. Yeah. We, uh, we are almost out of time on the radio side of our show today. We'll be saying goodbye to the radio audience here in just a moment. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, Dr. Teresa Deischer, back in May, w- you told us that you had a, a therapy going through FDA trials that could help treat cancer and possibly even COVID. What's the update there? So we um, are enrolling for our lymphoma trials, and uh, we are hoping to enroll for the COVID-19 in um, the first quarter of 2021. And in the interim, we have a very active, and it's FDA-approved, compassionate use program going on. Uh, We've treated uh, patients with glioblastoma and a prostate cancer patient. Um, and we are willing to provide the drug to patients who cannot participate in our clinical trials. That includes cancer patients, uh, as well as um, COVID-19 patients who develop acute respiratory distress syndrome. Mm. Um, so we're really excited about the compassionate use and excited to get our drug uh, out there in clinic and um, hopefully approved and, and out there to help people. And Bernadette, uh, in an informed life or informed life radio, can you give us the lowdown there? Give us a link. We got about sixty seconds. Yeah, if people just go to informedchoicewa.org, um, that's the nonprofit that is the host of an informed life radio. We're out here in Seattle on eleven fifty AM KKNW. Um, And they can find all sorts of information to go down the rabbit hole. And I just encourage people to to explore, to research. The more you read, the more you know, the more you know about how your immune system works. Um, Your question to Dr. Deischer is... We're almost out of time. I'm going to ask you... Hold the thought. (laughs) We'll stay on for the live stream after, but we got to say goodbye to the radio audience now. So hold that thought. We'll let you follow up on that in just a moment. Uh, Dear listener, thank you for being a part of GRN Live Monday. It always uh, is a pleasure and honor to be on with you. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., we're running our pilot episode of Catholic Drive Time. It's going to be a McCarrick Report in the first hour. And in the second hour, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Rosary to change your life. And we're going to have a game show and give stuff away right here on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. We'll see you there. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus.
Did you know that the Knights of Columbus donated over $175 million to charity and volunteered over 75 million hours last year? They accomplished this with almost 2 million members. And with you joining the Knights of Columbus, we can give you an outlet to get involved. This is merely an opportunity, not an obligation, and your level of involvement will be completely up to you and your family. Join online today at www.knights.net. That's www.knights.net. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious Assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his 